Do you want to grow in the knowledge of the Word of God? Do you want to be encouraged and strengthened to live it out boldly and effectively in your life? Welcome to the Open Hearts in a Closed World podcast, a podcast where women meet together to model and grow in Christ through the Word of God, as it says in Hebrews 10.25, encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We are so glad you are taking the time to be with us. So get ready. Now here's your co-hosts, Brooke Bartz and Aaron Coates, to talk, strengthen, build up, come alongside, and encourage you as women to live life verse by verse. Well, ladies, welcome back to episode two of Open Hearts in a Closed World, the podcast where we are going to be studying 2 Timothy. I am Erin Coates, and I am here with Brooke Bartz. Um, and this is just a wonderful time today that we're going to spend in the Word of God, where we are introing the book of 2 Timothy and going through the first two verses of it. Uh, there's a lot of content here. And so if you feel like we've missed anything, uh, please feel free to email us or message us on either Instagram at Open Hearts in a Closed World or uh, on the Facebook page. If you actually email me personally on Instagram, I generally don't get those messages. So if you forward them over to Open Hearts in a Closed World, uh, we will get those messages and questions and we love to answer them and pray for you. Uh, and we just wanna give some some thank yous and some shout outs before we start. And uh, as most of you know, Open Hearts in a Closed World is part of the uh, Bar Network podcast where there is a bunch of really amazing podcasts that you can listen to uh, as supplements material for your Christian life. And uh, there's just some really amazing people on there. Um, who else, Brooke? <laughs> I can't remember. Um, and then I say no. one. <laughs> Thank you, TV, um, AGTV for hosting um, Open Hearts in a Closed World. There's exclusive content for um, AGTV alone, but the podcast is also on there. The podcast is also on our YouTube channel, Open Hearts in a Closed World. So go subscribe and um Give us a review for our podcast as we get started um, with you guys. Like Aaron said, we're really excited to be here, and we just wanted to thank um, the Bar Network again for having us, and and Dwayne for um, letting us be on the Bar Network, and Brandon Kimber at AGTV, and then Aaron. Are there some some ladies that you wanted to um, just give shout out to before we get started? Some yeah. of our of our Open Hearts family, some ladies around the world that we can be praying for in some situations. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny because you're really going to see our personality come out here. Brooke was like, you do the intro. And then I'm like, oh, I, don't, I don't know. I do the intro. And then I, she's like, just remember to say thank you to. And I do one and then pass it back to you. So that's our relationship right there. <laughs> um, there are just several women who contact us really from all over the world. Uh, but there are some really hurting countries right now. And one of those countries um, is Italy. And uh, there's a friend, uh, a sweet sister, uh, Michaela, online, and she has contacted me quite often. And just the difficulty that they're going through with their church, uh, their church, their churches there are um, making you give a vaccine passport to go to church. And so, um, you know, this this ministry is important in the sense that we are coming into an age where the local church is actually not even just segregating people. They're not even allowing you in the door based on your status. And so that really breaks my heart um, and why I see there is a need for uh, teaching on the internet. The, the, the internet is such an interesting beast. Uh, there is some really good things that come out of it. And this is one of them when your local church uh, is not allowing you to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we just want to make sure that 
We're acknowledging those women in countries like Italy, uh, like New Zealand, like Australia, where their churches are are shut down. And if they're open, they're mandating vaccines. Uh, And so that really just breaks our heart um, to hear that those women are not even able to go to church. And so they are able to use this podcast to kind of supplement uh, to their personal life and devotion to Christ because we... I know Brooke and I hold the local church really, really highly, and Mm -hmm. it is such a disastrous thing when in these days you cannot even attend church. Uh, That is really a heartbreaking thing. And so we want to make sure that we're acknowledging that there's a church in, I think it's Papato, is that how you say it? Uh, Bible Chapel in New Zealand. In New Zealand. Uh, And they're having just a rough time over there. I hear from people all of the time. Um, just what they're going through. Church is not standing. And then the sheep are left to fend for themselves. So praise the Lord uh, that they have been able to connect with us and are able to listen to this podcast. And we just pray that it is a blessing to you and uh, and to make sure that as sisters in the West, we are really upholding um, those churches in prayer and those women that are just, they have nothing. And that that is truly heartbreaking to me. Yeah. And Papa Toto, they did something really neat. They had like a a women's ministry gift basket that they did when we did the conference for open hearts and they had cookies and stationery and just a really sweet, um, just a really sweet gift for their ladies um, who, and and that's what they gave them as they watched the conference. So, um, you know, we, we still have churches that are around the world that are standing for truth and they're, and they're holding to the gospel and, and they're gathering, you know, and they're, and they're making sure that they're, you know, spurring each other on as they're meeting, you know, they're continuing to fellowship and have deep fellowship. And, and that was just really a neat thing. She sent me a picture of the gift basket. And so we wanted to do a shout out to them and let them and to say thank you to them and tell them we're continuing to pray for their women's ministry, to keep standing strong, you know, to keep obviously going to the local church and being involved using their gifts, you know, building up the church, you know, as we're called to be the building blocks, you know, Christ cornerstone, but we're called to use our gifts. And so we want to encourage women be present at your local body and be present in your women's ministry. If you are part of a sound church, you need to be doing that. And, and we're glad to be here doing this with you. Um, but like, like Aaron said, you, you need the local, you need the local body, you know, and so yeah. we are staying with you. We are standing with you and just want to encourage you to keep fellowshipping and um, and being part of the, the flock, the local flock of God. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would love to pray for us and then yeah. uh, just kind of launch into our intro and uh, see if you have anything broke and we can take a, the fir- take a look at the first two verses. Perfect. Father, we are so thankful for your kindness in giving us your word that even though this letter is written by the hand of Paul, it is breathed out by God through the vessel of Paul uh, to Timothy and is so instructive for leaders today, but also in turn for us as well. We just pray that your spirit would guide us and lead us, that you would keep us from error, that you would open our hearts to see new and wondrous things from your law. Father, I just pray that these lessons would produce a greater zeal and devotion and passion in our hearts to know you and to obey you so that you are glorified in our heart and our life. And we just pray that you will be with us, Lord, Um, again, that your spirit would guide us and lead us into your truth and that you would get all of the glory. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I loved this book. uh, And I think I said in the last podcast that I, we didn't actually Really, I don't think we really planned on going into Second Timothy mm-hmm. as a women's ministry. It just so happened that it was it was kind of planned beforehand that we were going to do this. 
And then uh, the firestorm hit. I actually think I had planned to do this book uh, at the very first Open Hearts in a Closed World conference because I taught on Second Timothy chapter mm-hmm. three. And, uh, and I was like, okay, we have to go through this book with our women's ministry. And then everything kind of blew up uh, with our women's ministry or with our church. And uh, we really got to see how applicable this book is in our life. But I just want to start out by reading the first two verses. And it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Lord. And hopefully you ladies have gotten a chance to go through the lesson. Um, Brooke, can you let us know where those lessons are? They are on your on your website, right? Okay, they're on our website. <laughs> and, and I know what you're saying. And they're in the description in the links of like YouTube. They should be there. And I think Lauren included them on AGTV. But okay. if you click on that link, it will take you to your church's website to that page where they can print them off. All right. That, that, yeah, that, that's awesome. I wasn't sure if there was another link um, for, for just open heart. So that'll take you to Grace Life's page and... Yeah. Um, I have some really excellent women by my side that our elders have watched their life and they have helped write these lessons with us. And so um, Dawn and Naftali are such a huge part of helping with these lessons. And I'm super thankful for them. Um, But here we just have Paul. He is writing this letter to Timothy and you just see his heart, his fatherly He is obviously sitting in a dark and dank prison cell. Uh, He is facing the end of his life. We know from the letter that he is being poured out as a drink offering um, at his first defense. Everyone had abandoned him. The only person that is with him is Luke. And he is asking Timothy to bring Mark with him. Um, But he is alone in this uh, prison cell. And and I think I said it before, it just seems like an unfair way for such a faithful man to end his life in ministry. And really what we're going to see through the letter is Paul is a political prisoner. He is a Roman citizen in a Roman jail. And he is in jail at the later part of Nero's rule. And we know that Nero had set the city of Jerusalem on fire and had blamed the Christians for it. Uh, So likely Paul is facing um, the the persecution that Nero was bringing to Christians. And so he is in this dungeon. And we have to understand that the prison, uh, the the circumstances in those prisons were not what prisons are today. Um, It would have been infested with disease and darkness. I think MacArthur had mentioned in one of his sermons that uh, what they did sometimes was they were underground and they would have these like sewage um, they would have sewage go into them. And so if they needed to end the life of the prisoners really quickly, they would open up the sewage uh, blockades and they would pour into them and they would just kill everybody. So it really was just a disgusting place for the Apostle Paul to be. And so we see just the heart of this man wanting to pass the, the baton to his son, Timothy. And uh, and so that re- made me really think of, okay, this letter is from an apostle to his apostolic delegate, Timothy. And Timothy has been put in place at Ephesus to build up elders and to put in place elders in that church. And so the letter was written around that time. So um, we know that after Nero beheaded Paul, probably about AD 68, he actually committed suicide himself, uh, which is like, duh, (laughs) you know, you're killing Christians. He was a very cruel and wicked man. Um, But you just see what's on the heart of this apostle. He wants to pass the truth down to Timothy. And so it made me think of what would be my last will and testament to 
know my children? What would I want to make sure that I'm telling my children before I die? What are the most important truths? And I feel like this is it. This is the book where Paul is handing the baton to Timothy. He needs to pass down the truth. And, and so Timothy is being told to um, you know, accurately handle the word of God. And he's been entrusted with the truth. He has to guard and protect it. Who is the source of truth? Uh, and so, yeah, we just see so much in this, but my heart really goes out to Paul because Paul is just the spiritual father. He's been abandoned and the, what's on his heart, his most beloved son in the faith, Timothy. Um, and that probably affected Timothy somewhat, very much uh, that his father in the faith was facing death. And, and that's going to rock anybody. If you are facing imprisonment, if you are facing death, um, that, that is really going to rock you. And so in the lessons, we just really wanted you to be able to pull out the truth of, of really the overview of this book. And so you have on day one and day two and day three, just what are the main points? And it's so important that when we read a book, we have context. And so those questions are meant for you to really get a handle on what is the, the total of this book, because it's a letter. It's not, you don't want to go, when you get a letter, you don't go to the third page and start reading it because you're not going to understand what in the world the writer is saying to you if you go and you take these sections out of a letter. And so that was really day one and day two and day three was really for you to get an overview of what, or and day four, um, of what the chapters were for you to observe them, for you to ask any questions of the text. And, and you don't have to answer all of the questions that you have right now. We're going to answer those questions for you as we study the book. So uh, that was laid out for you to get an overview of the book. So hopefully um, you really were able to hone in on the main points that, that were in the book right there. But do you have anything to say in regards to the intro? Yeah. So I was going to say, you know, um, it's interesting you talk about, you know, the second imprisonment and, you know, what do we need to know to get us started in Second Timothy to give us the overview and the background? And, you know, if you think about Paul's first imprisonment it was totally different than the second imprisonment. You know, he was under house arrest. People were allowed to he could have people actually come and see him. You know, he was with one guard, chained to one guard. And so it was a lot more as you would say, lax, you know, he was, he was at home. He was not at a, you know, they had a place. He was not at an actual prison as it was. And, um, and we know that MacArthur even talks about the size of the, um, the dungeon that he was in for the second imprisonment saying it's probably the size of like a, a small one car garage and that they would have up to 40 people in it. And there was like a skylight and they would drop down food from, you know, into the hole, you know? So, um, so we know that that the conditions are completely different than when Paul was imprisoned the first time around. And, um, you know, as I think about the background of what's going on with the government, with him being a political prisoner, it's interesting to me because we look at what government is always trying to do and what the world is trying to do. And it's to persecute and scatter and, um, you know, to to make sure that they have a hold on Christians and that they can do everything to bring about fear and, you know, make them scatter. And, and so this is what's going on, you know, in Rome, when Nero was burned the, the city with, through 65 AD, we know that, you know, they're being sewn up in animal skins and they're being, like you said, lit on fire as torches, you know, to night the light sky Christians were, they were beheaded. And so to stand with Paul to stand as a believer and be a bold-hearted warrior for the faith like Paul, you're going to have strong people around you. And we see 
they just fall away, that people do not want to stand by Paul. And so um, it's sad because he's abandoned. And you think through his life that because of this legacy of who he is as Paul and, and how firm in the faith he is, that near the end of his life, that people would rally beside him and want to carry the torch of faith and, you know, to be living examples that were called to be in scripture. And they're not, they abandoned him. And so I think today that uh, we can see that even through the overview and the background of second Timothy, what's going on in our world today, as believers, we are seeing churches and we are seeing godly men like Aaron's husband and like pastors that are keeping their churches open, open um, that are being abandoned, you know? And so this letter is not only, it's just such an encouragement of, to us at this time to hold the line, to stand firm and to look at Paul's life and know that it's going to end and know that he is reaching out to Timothy because he loves him and as an apostle, and he's got this authoritative declaration on his heart to let Timothy know you need to kill afresh the faith. That is so, that should be such a motivation to us in our lives, not only at church, but as moms and wives and as, um, as women of the faith, you know, we need to hold fresh. And like you said, what is my last will and testament to my kids? You know, it makes me, it makes me think about this. I was telling Brad the other day, I was like, you know, I want to be a mom, obviously, a Proverbs 31 wife and mom, you know, come what may, whether I'm sick, whether I'm well, whether there's mandates, whether there's lockdowns, whether there's viruses, whether there's persecution, we're called to stand firm and to be a godly wife in the home and outside of the home. But a godly wife is, and a godly mom is while she's making that apple pie with her daughter, she's telling them, this is what's going on in the world. This is what persecution looks like. This is what a faithful servant of God looks like. This is who Paul is to us in Second Timothy. And that's the charge that Paul gives to Timothy. And so I love what you say, like, we, we need to understand that all this is going on and all this shapes, not only, like you said, why we're going verse by verse, it shapes the application of our lives as well, seeing who Paul was to Timothy. And as he's writing this letter, you know, his life, like you said, is being poured out like a drink, a drink offering. He's being squeezed. He's being pressed. And his heart is still for Timothy. And I think that also shows us in the midst of our lives we need to be able to be faithful in times of good and persecution. And the people that we love and we know, we need to constantly put them before us with the gospel, with the eternal hope that we have in Christ Jesus, because Paul and Timothy know Christ. Paul knows where he's going to, to be. He knows he's going to glory. He knows he's run the race, you know, and that he's run it well. And he's passing this torch to Timothy because Timothy's become somewhat faint-hearted. You know, he's kind of he's kind of feeling the pressures and the effects. And so to see such a pillar of faith in Paul, this life that he's lived out, that's not been celebrity Christianity. You know, Paul is been stoned, shipwrecked, and now he's abandoned by people who he thought were spiritual brothers. And he's got Luke with him. You know, it, it's such a reminder to us that our faith has to continually be sanctified and it has to be con continually kindled as Paul is doing to Timothy and as Paul is doing with such a heart because he loves him and because he's charging him. And that shows it, it, if you think about the normal person, if they're in jail, the last thing that they're going to do before they're right, before they're about to die is be praying for someone else, writing a letter. That's not what we see, but as believers in Christ, that should be our heart. Like it is for Paul to constantly be 
shepherding the next generation that's coming, like you said. So I love what you said about what is my last will and testament to my kids. Man, we need to be shepherding this generation and we need to be faithful in persecution and we need to keep standing just as they did when Nero was doing it. Paul was standing and Luke stayed with him. So there will be people that stay with us, but there will be some that abandon, but we push on and we press on for the faith. So I think the background of Second Timothy is just so much of what you guys are going through, standing as a church, and what our world is going through, and what is our responsibility as Christian women? It's to keep pressing on, like Paul did with young Timothy. Yeah, and and Paul says to Timothy, like, suffer with me as a good soldier, you know, and that is the expectation of the Christian life in in the latter days. And in, in, we're going to see this in chapter three is like rampant immorality, selfishness. Uh, self-centeredness, all of that. Uh, And so we, one of the things that really strikes me about the the Apostle Paul is he's facing death. Uh, As you said, um, in verse 16 of chapter four, it says, at my first defense, no one supported me, but all deserted me. But then what does he say? May it not be counted against them. And so there's still this love of Paul, this fruit of the spirit that is shining through that even though these people abandoned them and they will have to give an account for that before the Lord, he's still saying they had not be counted against them and that um, the Lord had strengthened him and he will take care of them. And if they're truly his, he will convict them. And so that's one thing I just see in Paul throughout this whole letter is that he never lets go of the tenet of love. And uh, we know what love is from First Corinthians. Love is patient. Love is kind. Uh, and the whole list there in chapter 13, uh, 4 through 8. But yeah, and to let that be our battle cry as well, that as people um, mistreat us, persecute us, we are blessing them, we are praying for them, and we're treating them with love because uh, I, I see it a lot, and I see it even in my own heart as a tendency to be frustrated and and be angry. And, you know, I have this sarcastic kind of fiery streak to me that I have to be like, no, Aaron, you need to walk in the spirit uh, and put that off and put on gentleness and kindness. And, uh, but yeah, just having that, that love for them, because we really should be pitying people who are caught up in, in the lives. And, and those people would have been caught up in whatever they would have been caught up in that caused them to abandon Paul. And so, yeah, there's just so much that is practical in this. And really, this is a fulfillment of what the Lord said about Paul's life in, uh, Acts nine, where he says, I I will show you how much he's going to have to suffer for my namesake. And, and Paul's life was marked by suffering. And he just really is a model for us of how to handle persecution, what should be on our hearts in those moments. Uh, But in these first verses, it tells us that Paul is an apostle of Christ Jesus. And so we know a mark of the apostles um, from Acts when they were choosing the apostle that was to replace Judas. And a mark of the apostle was that they had to see the resurrected Christ. They had to see the resurrection and Paul saw him on the road to Damascus. And so he is uh, what he calls to be the least of the apostles. Um, but he he wrote a great deal of the New Testament and it and really is a model for us. And we can see that he's Christ's apostle and uh, it's by the will of God that he is an apostle and that he is uh, planting the churches and spreading the truth And it's according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus. And that promise of life is eternal life and eternal life is only in Christ. And we cannot look for eternal life anywhere else. It is Christ and Christ alone. He is the way he is the truth. He is the life. And we cannot find any way to the father 
but through Christ Jesus. And so if you are looking for another way to the Father, whether that's by your works, um, whether that's by a faulty um, Christ who is not the second person of the Trinity, who did not pay for the sins of his people and atoned for sin upon the cross and was the one who bore the wrath of God. And then on the third day was resurrected again, showing that he pleased the father, that he had propitiated the wrath of God, satisfied it. Um, You will not find a way to the father. And this verse is telling us that there is just one way to God, the father, and that is through Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life, the promise of life in Christ Jesus. And so this message had been handed to the Apostle Paul by the will of God. And I love, 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 love how, you know, Paul's focus is Christ. In these two verses, you see him use the Lord's name three times. So, and and so what is on this man's heart as he's dying? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we don't know when we're going to die. I don't know when I'm facing death. I could drop dead at any any point. You don't need to be in a jail cell uh, or dungeon uh, to know that your life is ending. 100% of people will will die. That's what's sure in this life unless the Lord returns and and takes his church. Um, But we need to have the Lord Jesus Christ set on our mind and our heart, uh, especially during these dark and wicked times. yeah. Did you have something to add there? Oh, no. Uh, let's talk about the the will of God. You know, um, you said Paul has, you know, Christ Jesus on his heart constantly. And, um, you know, when we look at, at Paul, the, the will of God for Paul was that he would suffer, that he would be persecuted, that he would be stoned, shipwrecked, that he would be abandoned. You know, the will of God that would be that he would take the, the message of the gospel to the Gentiles. And Paul was faithful to carry out, you know, God's will. And that's why it says, you know, by the will of God, because we know that that God is the one that appointed Paul as an apostle to carry the message to the Gentiles. And, and if you look at it, even the will of God was Paul now writing this letter to Timothy, because, mm-hmm. you know, the will of God is that we are, you know, constantly glorifying the Lord in all we're called to do. And um, MacArthur gives six things about the will of God, which was really, really interesting because, you know, people are always like, what is the will of God? You know, what is the will of God? Well, the will of God in Christ Jesus, you know, so, um, so Paul is faithful to, um, to carry out God's will, which is God's plan before time for his children. But MacArthur says that um, the will of God is six things. So it was really interesting. It was saved to be saved, spirit filled, um, and what he meant by spirit filled is constantly being filled by the spirit leads you to the third one. So it's saved, spirit filled, sanctified, submissive, suffering. And then we're called to um, not only suffer, but we're called to give thanks and we're called to um, you look at the sixth one. So um, say thanks. So say spirit filled, sanctified, submissive, suffer and say thanks. Is that right? One, two, three, four, yeah. five. Yeah. So good because, you know, sometimes we, we want it, we want it, this huge thing of what is it am I in God's will, you know, but basically it's just to, to glorify God in your life, what you do as you, you know, take steps in obedience to faithfully live out his commands by obeying his word. That's where we find, you know, how we're to walk diligently, you know, um, the man of God obeys the precepts of God, you know, and so I think that Paul did all of those things. You know, he was faithful to, by the will of God, carry out the will of God, which was to, you know, glorify the Lord in his life. And so um, I just wanted to throw that in the will of God, because um, I know that people have a lot of questions on the will of God. And I thought, you know, those six things do encompass 
you know, overall what it is, you know, we are called to be, you know, obviously we need to be saved and we are continually progressively being sanctified. And the more that we're sanctified, the more we're going to be filled with the spirit and not, you know, um, and so I thought that was important. So I just want to throw that in about the will of God. And then, like you said, being an apostle is, is, um, you know, you had to be appointed directly by Christ, like you said, and receive your teaching instruction. And then the gifts were also given as a sign to validate, you know, that message. And obviously we don't have any apostles today because not one of us can perform a supernatural gift, nor will I be walking down the street and Christ will appear to me. I was not, you know, so I think it's interesting that, you know, people always want to say, are there apostles or there this and that, you know, no, you know, that was a direct you know, given command by the Lord himself and um, Paul was chosen by God. And another thing about the apostle, and I think the reason he says he writes apostle is because he's reminding Timothy that not only is he his spiritual mentor and father, but he also has a um, a charge from the Lord to remind him that he has apostolic, you know, um, he has apostolic instruction and that he is given this. So it is a command, not just a letter to come alongside as a friend, but to remind him, hey, we've got authoritative instruction given by the will of God. I'm writing you. It's supernaturally breathed out through the spirit. And so, Timothy, let's just be reminded that I love you. I am I am your spiritual father. But understand that these are divine instructions that need to be carried out. And so, He's an apostle and he's reminding him, I'm not just your friend. I'm not just your brother. I'm, I'm an, I'm an apostle by the will of God. Yeah. Yeah. So it's coming with an authority. And I think, yeah, we don't, the foundation has already been laid. We see that in Ephesians 2 20, that, that the church has been, is laid on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Uh, you don't need to keep laying a foundation. You build on a foundation as the truth uh, has is continually passed down. And we're going to see that in at the end of chapter one into chapter two and just the significance of that. But yeah, I just, I love, I love Paul's heart. He's so compassionate. He's so others focused in the middle of probably one of his darkest trials. He's not thinking about himself. He's thinking about the truth, thinking about Christ Jesus. And so that makes me think what's on my heart. You know, what, what am I thinking about during the days and how important it is for me to have Christ ever before me? Am I continually seeing the beauty of Christ? And I know that even with this season that we're entering into like holiday kind of times, there's so much that buys and pulls for your attention. And we have to really battle to keep the Lord Jesus ever before us and continually ask to, for him to show us his beauty and his loveliness through his word. And so that's really important. And uh, so so who is Timothy? Well, Timothy obviously is his beloved child. Uh, we know Paul was single, so he didn't have any of his, his own children, but he had spiritual children. Uh, and Timothy was one of them. And and Paul thinks very highly of Timothy. In Philippians, we see in 2.20 that there is no one other than Timothy who would be as concerned about their welfare and who is of kindred spirit as Timothy. So man, these two, these two men are inseparable. And I love it because it just shows that even the apostle Paul needed a Timothy in his life. And, and you see the longing in his heart in this letter, please come to me, Timothy. Like winter is coming, winter is dawning. Please come to me. Um, I want to see you one last time. Um, so yeah, you, you just see that. But uh, so um, Paul met Timothy in Acts 16, one through three. And Timothy was a disciple from Derby, And he was the son of a, a Jewish woman who became a believer. So his grandmother and his mother um, were became believers. And, and we know that from a young age, he was being taught 
the, the truth, which would have actually been the Old Testament, not the New Testament, because the New Testament wasn't written at this point. And so he grew up with a with a knowledge of the Old Testament, which brought him uh, to a saving faith. And so you just see the sufficiency of the Old Testament there. And I love that too. But he had a Greek father, so he had an unbelieving father. And so when Paul um, wanted to bring a man with him on his missionary journey, he, he found Timothy. And what I love about this is Timothy means one who honors God. And when Paul met Timothy, he probably was in his late teens. Um, and I found that so striking because he had already a good reputation amongst the believers in that area. And so, you know, so often we see young men and young women where they're to like sow their oaths or, you know, it's okay to be rebellious. But Timothy was this young man when they met. And had such a reputation that Paul was like, I want to take this young man with me. And so Timothy was obviously a young man who was committed to his sanctification, to the glory of God. Uh, he was willing to leave his family behind to go with Paul on these missionary journeys. And so he was really uh, committed to God's glory and the gospel going forth. And so as a young person, my question would want to be, what are you devoted to today? Do you see the same qualities in your life as you see in Timothy? Are you someone who is devoted to the glory of God? Are you wanting to be consumed with his word? Uh, will you go wherever the Lord calls you to go? And that might not be overseas. That you know, Is he calling you to be faithful in your local church? Yeah, he's calling you to be faithful in your local church. Um, and something that is really striking here is even as a young man, he had a good reputation. So obviously these people were watching Timothy's life, his character, uh, his purity. And so they were able to affirm that in him. But we don't yet see Timothy take on a teaching role. You see him going with Paul to be taught by him and mentored by him. And something that I really see as kind of a danger right now, and this might be a little bit of a rabbit trail, but I'm going to say it. <laughs> uh, and I actually had this conversation with Susan Heck. Um, was the alarming rate that young people have set themselves up as teachers and how much social media feeds into young people taking the baton, assuming the seat of honor. Um, a lot of young people who uh, I'm hearing more and more like young women who have grabbed a hold of the doctrines of grace for like a year or two, and they have these massive teaching ministries online. And I'm thinking, oh my word, <laughs> um, it's time for young women. This is really difficult for me to say because I'm not yet an older woman, but I'm not a younger woman either. Um, but uh but, but you should have at least your elders, and if you don't have sound elders, your husband affirming your character, you should have a good grasp of systematic theology. Um, you should have a good grasp on, on the flow of scripture before you take up the baton of teaching. And because not many of us should become teachers. And even with this podcast going out as far as it's going, that comes with a great deal of like fear and trembling and dependence upon my husband, upon my elders. Um, to really be watching, okay, what is Erin doing? What is she saying? Uh, because there's a massive responsibility there. And so I just see just this reputation of Timothy, um, but a willingness to be taught by the Apostle Paul. And it's probably not until he is about 30 years old, so a significant amount of time where, where Paul then hands him the baton of, of putting elders in place. And he's saying, don't let anyone look down in your youthfulness, but in faith, love, and purity, show yourself an example to the believers. And so there was this life that was being tested and had been proven to be faithful. And so that would be just a caution I would want to put out to young women is, is not to assume the seat of honor before the time, before the men in your life, especially your leaders, if they're sound leaders, uh, for them to go, you know what, I'm seeing this in your life. Yeah, it, 
it, you should be in, in a Titus two type ministry. Um, yeah, but for younger women, they just, they, they, I don't see a lot of sitting and learning because you have a lot of zeal when you are young and I did this. Um, but, but that, that time of testing, that time of godliness needs to be refined in your life and in your heart before you, you pick up that baton and the truth is at stake. And, and yeah. you know, one of the qualifications of an elder is that, um, not a new convert. Why? So that he doesn't fall into the condemnation of the devil. And what happens when you're young in Christ um, is you're prone to some things. You're prone to zeal with not a lot of knowledge or a lot of knowledge without a lot of grace uh, or either end of the spectrum, legalism or um, antinomianism. And so I, I think that's just a caution as we look at Timothy's life and just a practical application that we can pull out of him as he was being trained by the Apostle Paul. And then hands were being laid on him publicly to commission him for this role and job. And so we we don't want to to ignore that um, is his confirmation in ministry in First Timothy 4, 14. And just to be really aware that social media feeds this aspect of everybody being teachers. Now you're yeah. not going to stop the teachers, but as a listener, you are responsible for who you are listening to and what you're taking in. Did you have any? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I'm, you know, as you're talking about Timothy with Paul, you know, Paul was around Timothy. He witnessed how faithful he was during their missionary journeys. He saw how he loved others, how he sat and listened at he was submissive. He was obedient. He was willing to do the hard things. He was willing to put himself out there in the midst of trying times, persecution, pain. You know, obviously, um, it, 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 these weren't they weren't going and staying at, at hotels, and it was nice and easy. You know, they were they were on long missionary journeys where they were, you know, antagonized and persecuted by people, and it wasn't always easy, and there wasn't a, a success rate. You know, where they could measure how many people came along. You know, they went, they preached, they, he did what he needed to do and he moved on. They loved people, you know, they broke bread with them, that they did all of these things for the glory of God, obviously. But, but Paul was able to witness every aspect of young Timothy's life, not one, you know, not, um, you know, just can he, can he, you know, can he stand by me and just follow me? No, he got to see him, you know, put, you know, be able to work and, be in the field with him, you know, with the harvest, you know? And so I think about that for women, like you said, a lot of these women, they're not even vetted by their churches or their elders, you know, they have established their own ministry and their social, they're not social, their keyboard warriors is a term that, that I use and that anyone can, um, can type a message or, or write something on Instagram or develop this, you know, this page that looks this way, that, that gives off this appearance of godliness because of likes and hearts and, and these things. But Aaron made a great point. Like Aaron and I will be held accountable for what we say on this podcast, and we will be held accountable for what we teach the women in women's ministry. And when I don't think that they understand the magnitude of what that really looks like, that the Lord is the one who is our, is our judge and our, and our jury. And he is the one who is our, who is our father, who has given us spiritual gifts that a lot of times these ladies don't have. They're, they're forcing these gifts, thinking that they're from the, the spirit and, and they're not, they're not called to be in the roles that they are. And, um, and so in order to bypass that, it becomes very easy to create your own on social media instead of being, at your church, you know, serving. I remember talking to Kim, Kimberly and Shelby. And one of the things they said is, 
it doesn't matter if you can teach it first, you better be able to scrub toilets. You better be able to come up and load the coffee. You better be able to like, we need to see your life over a long period of time. You know, Penny has, has mentored me as an, she's an elder wife at countryside um, for 13 years, you know, and, and where I started out, you know, and then the ministry, you know, we worked in youth and then, you know, I had a small group and then I started leading, you know, the benevolence ministry, you know, fruitful hands and, and the whole time my husband is being vetted, you know, for men's ministry. And, and he's, you know, leading Sunday school for, you know, um, for the 65 year old plus class, but we had to start out and see what are their giftings, what what is affirmed, you know, and these things. And so women don't have to do that at their home with the with social media. You don't have to have a local church to say that you are a teacher of the word, which is very sad because it's completely unbiblical. You know, those gifts are affirmed through the church, through the local body, through the elders, which is again why Second Timothy is so poignant because Paul is instructing Timothy to put in place elders and what the qualifications are. And so we know that there's qualifications for elders. There's also, you know, the qualifications of godly women and Titus two women and what the giftings look like and how those, how those are and how you know what those are. It's because you are, you are approved and hands are laid on the men at the local church to affirm these giftings. And so for women, um, you know, I know, I know women's ministries that um, you can be affirmed as a teacher if you walk through a class and you are able to, you know, go through one passage and take it and go through it exegesis. And wow, you did that good. So guess what? You get a small group now of all these women and we're going to be doing this book and you're now, you're now a leader. And the danger of that, there was no following this person throughout their life, not months, but years years, you know, and Paul got to watch Timothy for years and he got to see him in the good and the bad, not when the women's ministry is exploding and, but when persecution has come and mandates have come and lockdowns have come and there's sickness and people are dying and women are still gathering together to be part of the local body using the gifts God's given them. And so you don't have to do that at home. You know that in front of a computer screen or with an Instagram. And you're right. There are so many women that think because I read this book and because I can write that I'm called to ministry, women's ministry. And if my church doesn't support it, I'll just do it on my own. And so um, and that's dangerous because what's what happens is, is obviously if the spirit has not given them that gift and they're not being trained and sanctified and growing up and accountable to that gift to the elders you know, as women, we can go off on tangents and we can become emotional or start to put in our own views or opinions or insights or get a verse wrong or, um, you know, give someone counsel that's completely not scriptural based on what we thought the text meant. That's dangerous. We're going to be held accountable to those things. And yes, like you said, you and I take this extremely serious and our hearts for these women is that they will love the word of God and that the giftings that God's given them, the will of God that he has for them, for their lives, that they would carry out faithfully and effectively and that they would use their giftings at the church, whatever gifts those are. And like you said, not everyone is called to teach or, or to, you know, and, and so Paul got to see the ins and outs of Timothy. And it, it says a lot because he didn't choose a lot of men to really put his, you know, I mean, he loved all the brethren, obviously, but Timothy was very special to him. And he had a very close relationship because he saw that young Timothy 
wanted to glorify the Lord as he, as he walked the earth doing ministry and ministry is hard work and it's not the fanfare like everyone thinks it is behind the scenes and you know that. Um, but an Instagram and a, um, you know, a, a computer screen and writing a post and having a lot of likes and a lot of follows, those things burn. The Lord is going to look at the heart, you know, and so we need to make sure that everything we do is obviously sola de gloria and that we are continuing to press on to be full to use the gifts he's given us. And that's what Timothy did, you know, and Paul wanted to make sure that he had, he had vetted him, that he'd watched him, that he, you know, and so, and I love that. I love the verse where it talks about, um, and I wrote it down because um, it's talking about when, when, uh, when he, he said in Ephesians one, four through five, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, we would be holy blameless before him in love. He predestined us to adoptions as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the kind intention of his will. So we go back to the will of God, right? We were called according to his purposes and his purpose is for us to um, be obedient to his word. And his purpose for Paul was to instruct Timothy in this letter. And so um, the will of God is, is so important because we need to understand that to be obedient to God's will is to be obedient to where he's placed us, the giftings he's given us and the ministry we're called to carry out. And you and I know ministry also extends into our home you know, with our husband, with our, it's not just, Hey, I want to, I'm going to be a, in the women's ministry leadership role or this and that God has gifting he's given us. And he gave Timothy giftings and Paul saw those. And he, and he latched on to Timothy because he saw his faith in the tough and the good time. Yeah, exactly. So that was just a little bit of a rabbit trail. <laughs> it, did, it did go on a little rabbit trail, but it was, I think I, I mean, I, I, I know exactly where you're going with that. Like, we have to be so careful. We have to be so careful with the word. We have to be careful with the word when we teach it. And Paul watched Timothy and he knew what Timothy could handle. And so that's who he writes to in the end. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And, and so we, we've touched on the, the promise of life in Christ already and what that is. Uh, and then so there's a question that says, if you are facing death like the Apostle Paul, what would the promise of life in Jesus Christ mean to you? Well, it should mean everything to you because the, the promise of life is in Christ. Even if you die, you live. And, and the promise of life there is like a, a belt that is binding. And it, that is just such an amazing illustration. It's, it's binding like a belt. It's holding everything in it. It's not letting you go. Um, and so we, we just have so much confidence that we can face whatever the Lord um, has us face in this life, whether it's difficulty or even if our life ends in, in death through persecution, we have the promise of life in Christ Jesus. And there's going to, and I think it's lesson uh, nine, we're going to be looking at the resurrection of Christ and, and the, the significance of that and how much that gives us hope. Um, and so Paul says to Timothy uh, that, that there's grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, you see that equality within the Godhead. The Lord Jesus Christ is equal with God. In, in Greek literature, you would not put God and Jesus Christ on the same plane if they were not equal, if they were not one, but they are. And so I love that. 
Um, but we have grace, mercy, and peace. These are uh, gifts and that are given to us at salvation, but also are so necessary for our sanctification as well. So grace is the unmerited favor of God that provides us salvation, the forgiveness of sin, and also is the source of our sanctification. So we are justified, which means we are declared righteous by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. There is no work that you can do that will add to your salvation. And also sanctification is also a grace of God. And so there's something happening on the internet right now where there are women vying for the fact that you can lose your salvation, which tells me you don't believe that your salvation is all of grace. You are not saved by grace and kept by works or else Christ's work was not finished on the cross. Um, You are given a new heart entirely by the work of the Holy Spirit when he causes you to be born again unto a living hope. And so that grace is unmerited favor and we need grace to grow in Christ Jesus. But grace is not something that we do to earn the favor of God or the merit of God. Grace is what sanctifies us because it's the work of God in us. And yes, that is what we would call a synergistic work, a work of God and us working with him. Um, but it's of grace and that's evidence of our salvation that doesn't earn our salvation or keep our salvation. Our salvation was secured at the cross of Calvary. And so it shows me that women don't quite understand the fullness of what justification is. You cannot be declared righteous and then be declared unrighteous. And, and what, what act of sin disqualifies you from being a believer, Um, And so we need grace in all of our life, and it's evidence that we are saved. It doesn't secure our salvation. And then mercy, uh, I love, I think it was John MacArthur that said this. He says, it is a continual living in divine mercy, the inexpressible blessing of deliverance from misery that sin deserves and creates. Uh, And so mercy is like not only this with holding what we truly deserve, there's actually like a, a pity and compassion towards us in our miserable state that sin has created. And so God is merciful towards us. And what I love about this letter is like, yes, it's penned by the hand of the apostle Paul to his son, Timothy. But really, if, if the Holy Spirit is the author of scripture, this is God's letter to Timothy. And, and then in turn, God's letter and encouragement to us today too. So this letter is brought to us by God himself, his very own words breathed out. And so he is saying for us to have grace, mercy, and peace. And peace is really just that that um, state of mind where, you know, once we were at war with God, uh, we now have peace, which, which steadies this tumultuous kind of troublesome fearfulness in our heart that we're not going to face the judgment of God, but that Christ has made a peace treaty for us and we are no longer at war with him. And so I just love that, that this is the opening line that is from God, the father is from the son and is, is obviously birthed through the Holy spirit as Paul writes the letter. Um, but these are significant, um, things that Timothy really needed to remember. I think sometimes we can glance over that. Oh yeah, grace, mercy, peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. But these are the anchor of, of not only our salvation, but also our sanctification and that, and that these qualities really, um, have to, have to gird our life and how we live. We've been given grace, unmerited favor from a God that we deserve nothing but anger and wrath for our sin. And yet he has this mercy that he pours out on us and his mercies are new every morning. And so there's this compassion towards us and he doesn't give us what we deserve and then makes peace with us so that whatever situation we face and and Paul's saying this to Timothy, you have peace. This is really, I'm calling you to hardship right now. The Lord is calling you to hardship. You have a peace of God that transcends your circumstances. And that's why we can have a gentle and quiet spirit is because 
we can have meekness under control and we don't have to have this tumultuous um, wave of trials always billowing in our hearts because we have peace with God and we know that whatever he brings into our life is for our good and for his glory. So um, I think that's kind of all that I have. Oh, peace. Uh, the peace that he's talking about here, I love it. In From John 14, 27, Christ says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not let it be fearful. So here is the Lord Jesus Christ uh, in the upper room and he started the discourse with his disciples and he's telling them, I'm leaving. I'm going to send the helper, but I'm leaving and my peace I give to you. Because what would have been more tumultuous in that moment for the disciples to realize, okay, Judas just abandoned us. Like that in of itself troubled Christ so much that that the language is strong language there that he was troubled within himself that Judas was just going to betray him. The disciples are shocked by this. And then now he's telling them, I'm, I'm dying. I'm going to die. I'm going to the father. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Um, but that would have like, that would have rocked them. And he says, my peace, I leave with you. And that's the same peace that he gives to us by the Holy Spirit to, to continue on in this life, no matter how difficult our circumstances is. So my question would kind of be to the women, do you have peace even in and amongst um, the trials of life? Are you allowing the circumstances of this life to blow you? Or do you have this firm, fixed confidence in God that he is on his throne, that he is ruling and reigning, and he is causing all things to work together for the good of those who love him, including everything that hits your life? Um, that there is no, I love it as Sproul says, no maverick molecules, which means there is no circumstance that's going to enter into your life that you do not need. Uh, and the circumstance that's in your life right now is the only thing that will sanctify you. If it was anything else, the Lord would bring it to you, but he hasn't. And so because of that, we can have this, this peace uh, with God and, and in the spirit and to walk in our life with full confidence that Christ is good and he only does good and he will only allow good good things, even though our definition of good might be a little bit off. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, um, you know, as, as the Christmas season is upon us, you know, the, the birth of Christ, you know, we think about the peace of God, you know, that he sent Christ Jesus as the, as the baby. And when he, when Christ came, um, he brought peace with us, you know, that we were warring in our souls, which he did not have, you know, we had animosity and wrath and hate between us and God. And he settled that, you know, he settled that on the cross. He gave us that peace. And even though we may battle with our flesh, as we see, you know, Timothy did, because we know he was becoming kind of, um, you know, way he was becoming weary. Um, the peace that we have with God through the spirit is constantly as we've won the war, Christ has won the war for our soul. And so Timothy would, would know that he would have that kind of a settled confidence, like Aaron said, that would, would that would um, surpass all knowledge and understanding because uh, it's guarded in Christ Jesus. That peace that we have is eternal. And it is. Um, and so we need to remember in the midst of all that's going on, that um, we are not warring with our soul. We may battle our flesh, but our soul is kept by the everlasting father we will, we will go home to glory one day. And so what's going on around us as the world is at war, as we are seeing, you know, battles and just more and more the culture becoming more evil and darkened and reprobate, we have a settled, tranquil peace inside because we have the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Timothy, so Paul saying grace, mercy, and peace, he obviously in the midst of what he was suffering, 
being in this dungeon alone, abandoned, you know, he had that peace of God and he's able to write that in a very confident way because he understands that, that he has, he has finished, he has finished well, and he has a piece of God that will take him to heaven. And so we're, we can rest assured that we, if we know Jesus Christ, if we placed our faith in him alone, if we've repented, no matter what is going on in, in our lives, outside circumstances, inwardly, we have the peace of God through the spirit. And so I think it's just a great way to end, like you said, grace, mercy, and peace to all of you ladies out there, right? And that you know the Lord Jesus Christ and come what may, you have that to let let your hearts be um, not troubled in. You can rest in the peace of God, knowing that he is for you, not against you, and that he has a plan he has a will for your life and you have eternal life in Christ Jesus. You have life in Christ Jesus. And so that's just a great way to, to wrap up. Like Aaron said, everything that we've talked about with the, the intro and the, fir- the first two verses to just talk about how Paul, the background of Paul with Timothy and what is going on in this letter to get us started. And what a great way for December to kick off with grace, mercy, and peace. Like ladies, think on that. Like during this month, and as we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we have grace, mercy, and peace. And so it's such a beautiful words. And to put him in the letter the way he did, to address it, to start the letter, even though it was familiar, like you said, there's such a profound um, depth to the words um, and what they mean, not only to Timothy and what they would have meant to Paul and to Timothy, but what they mean to us. So, So that was great, Aaron. So thank you for that. Appreciate that. And is even a fruit of the spirit, right? And so when you think about um, the fruit of the spirit is the evidence of our of our faith, and and it's a it's a work that people see. And we know from um, James two where it says, um, "Show me your faith without the works, and I'll show you my faith by my works." If we have peace in this time as a, as a fruit of the spirit, uh, because we're walking by the spirit, because we have confidence in who God is. Um, what a testimony to a dying world that whoa, in this tumultuous time in this world. Why are you so joyful? Why do you have so much peace, right? And and those things don't waver with our circumstance. And you know, if you're struggling with peace, it's probably because you're walking somewhere in the flesh or there's something about the Lord that you're not accurately understanding. And that's something that you can reach out to us. You know, I'm really not understanding. I don't have this peace in my heart um, or I'm really struggling uh, with this piece. And, uh, but I loved your, your charge, Brooke, to, to really focus on, you know, yeah, peace on earth, goodwill to men. That, that was what the angel declared of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, when he was born. And there's a hymn, a Christmas carol that says, uh, oh, what was it in the, oh, what is it? Uh, the world was, um, like yearning. No, what was it? It's like my favorite one. I can't remember right now. You're going to think of it right when we turn off the, right when it is. You're going to go, look oh, this is the, the, the weary world, world rejoices. Um, yeah. What's the line before that? Um, I'm not singing it. <laughs> oh, holy, not, it oh, holy night. The stars I are bright. I think so. Yeah. It yeah. is the night of Savior's birth. Long that lay the world in sin and error pining. Yes, yes. In sin and error pining. And birth. Yes. And so that's the peace that, that God brings to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. So yeah, I hope that those meditations are sweet for you, that if you're not experiencing peace, uh, which is not even just an experience, it's a reality if you're in Christ, uh, to figure out what's in your heart, what's causing you to be troubled, what what are you struggling with, and um, 
if you, you ask the Lord for wisdom, he'll give it to you and we'd be happy to help you out with that. So yeah, what a great exhortation to end. Do yeah. you want to end in prayer? Yeah, I want to say one more thing. Like, ladies, be encouraged. Like, in the midst of what they were going through, they were able to say grace, mercy, and peace. And this is, you know, with with Paul seeing what's going on in Rome with Nero and Christians being martyred and beheaded and still. So if they can say, and obviously we know that the Lord has these men write these words to us. These are inspired. These are God's words to us to have grace, mercy, and peace. We can do that as well. We have that peace of God, just as Paul and Timothy did. So be encouraged this Christmas season, no matter what happens this next couple of months or years, whatever, find your peace in Christ Jesus. Find your grace, your mercy, and your peace in Christ Jesus. And Aaron and I, are here for you. Like we said, you can write, I'm going to let Erin pray for us. Um, but before it, before she prays, just reach out to us. Erin Coates 80 is your Instagram. Mine is just Bart. And then the open hearts is open hearts in a closed world. We'll have those listed in the description link. And also if you're a church or a women's ministry, or if you would like us to mention your name on the air for prayer, that we can be praying for your women's ministry or your church or, you know, something, write us. We, we want to do shout outs. We want to um, be able to make this as, um, as many women as we can reach around the world. We want to be able to, and we want to be as interactive, even though this is a computer screen as we can, we, our hearts are for you. They yearn for you. We pray for you. We, we love you. We want to continue to encourage you to, to go to church, to, to, um, to be women of God, to, uh, you know, and so, Make sure you reach out to us if you want to. We'll list those in the links um, in the description. And if you want us to say anything, just let us know. Write us a letter. And if you have questions, if you have questions about Second Timothy, we will have a Q&A, you know, coming up sometime. And we will have guests maybe sometime. But right now, you know, Aaron and I are just really enjoying this. This has been really wonderful. And every time I get to spend time with Aaron, I am just always so filled up, so encouraged, so strengthened. So, um. Yeah, just write us. Let's know how we can help you. And grace, mercy, and peace. And Merry Christmas. We love you yes. all. Yes, Merry Christmas. Let me let me pray. Father, we are so thankful for this letter that by your spirit, at the end of Paul's life, he took up his pen in a in a dungeon and he wrote to his most beloved son, which just is the message of the gospel, the truths that need to be handed down to the next generation. And Father, we so long to be women who who guard and protect the truth, who love the Lord Jesus Christ, who live every day with grace, mercy, and peace being extended to us from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. May that be so evident in our life. I pray for the women who are listening, that if they are struggling with those aspects in their heart, especially with peace, that they would be able to pinpoint the area Uh, whether it's distraction, whether it is sin in their life, whether they are filling their hearts with something other than the Lord Jesus Christ, that you would convict them of that sin and that they would be able to put on righteousness and that they would be able to just meditate upon the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of your spirit. It is truly your spirit that reminds us of these truths that helps us to see what is in your word and what is in our heart. And so we just pray that he would move mightily uh, in these next weeks before we gather again to do the next lesson 
uh, and, and to study your word, Lord. We just pray that the message of your truth would go forth like wildfire, that you would save, that you would sanctify, and that you would put the glory of Christ on display. Help us to think about him and the wonder of his incarnation. It is a great mystery um, that you have opened our eyes to, and we're so thankful for that, Lord. We want to focus on um, the gospel during this season, and so we just pray that our hearts would be so inclined to that, Lord. We love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Love you guys. Bye. Love you.